Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 27. We got a lot on our plate. This is Rob McLean. I'm Jason DeBeas. Today, we, we got the UFC, the AVP, the Wilson Cup. The second tournament of this three-tournament series is up. Jamal Adams, what's his problem? We're going to find out on this episode, episode 27, which starts right now. What's good, Rob? Episode 27. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. What's up, man? You know how I do before we get started, whether we do this fast or we do this slow. I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. So, hey, we got a lot to to talk about. Lou Williams misbehaving, leaving the bubble. Jamal Adams outed his coach, requested a trade. His request was regret. His request was granted. UFC, another main event, not the best of the bunch, but but um, certainly some fighters to um, to highlight. But for now, um, we're gonna start with the AVP. All right, the Wilson Cup happened this weekend. Um, predictable winners: um, Alex Kleiman, right? April Ross, yeah, I Phil mean, Dahlhauser, Nick Luzena. Yeah, they look, they look good. They look good. I mean, they look better than they did last week. You know, everybody looked better than they did last week. But um, I, I saw in the men's bracket that the, there was no, there was only one three set game, and that was in the finals. Or yeah. uh, there was Semis. one three set set in the semis, and then uh, yeah. yeah, Theo Brunner man, two zero in the finals. Theo Brunner man, always respected that dude, but he's literally starting to grow on me. I mean. You know, one of the dumbest questions he was asked in the interview was like, are you the sneakiest blocker in the AVP? And like, like what's his name? Um, Casey Patterson goes, <laughs> he's like, wait, he's a leader in every, in every you know, statistical category for blocking. So, yeah. um, and me, I didn't call him the sneakiest blocker. I called him the best blocker no one talks about, which I, uh, for me came, comes from a very honest place because quite frankly speaking, he isn't talked about enough and his blocking uh, ability. Um, but so winners, uh, Phil, Phil and Nick had their number. First game was a beer game, right? 21, nine. Um, I felt that Alex Kleiman and April Ross got challenged again, but they rose to the challenge. So they showed me a lot more than what Phil and Nick did. Phil and Nick did because to me, championships aren't built on blowouts. They're built on two point victories. When these games are tied and tensions get high and butt cheeks get tight, you know, either you do it or you don't. So, Rob, the question is, um, what player or players, uh, meaning team, or matches um, stuck out to you the most? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, for sure on the women's side, uh, I was really surprised with uh, the final, honestly. I was really surprised with how um, clean Alex Kleiman looked and how they definitely devised the plan to beat uh, Pavin and, and Paredes, um, where they're trying to play a lot more towards um, whether it's passing the middle and playing and stretching the court way outside and making the big blocker really move and then hit across the court and drop it down short down the line. Like They did a really good job of game planning, sticking to the game plan. And that's what I feel like that team needs. They need just an idea and just go with that idea and stick with that idea because Kleiman's not necessarily an experienced beach player. Even if she qualifies for two more Olympics and at the end of her career, she still won't be the most experienced beach player. She'll never be the experienced, you know, 
she has great beach IQ, you know, great beach IQ. She does really good things, but she just doesn't have that amount of time on the beach. Um, you know, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Alex, uh, April Ross, you know, she's just put the time in, you know, you can see all that experience just oozing out now and she's just having a great career to finish. So hard you know, Probably next four or five years. Um, so <clears throat> it's, it was really good to see them, especially against Pavin and Paredes, who is a top team in the world just game plan and kind of just not like dominate them but they, they they handled them pretty solidly like they always seemed like they were in control uh and, and you know you could say whatever you want about uh you know everybody's getting back and training and doing this but uh you know somebody's got to be working harder than somebody else and you know somebody's got to be winning these tournaments so that <clears throat> was really good to see that i was really surprised with how uh, competitive that game looked and how honestly one-sided it kind of looked so yeah I like um, it. that was kind of my big surprise yeah well but. what stuck out to me the most um and it's not that much of a surprise to me as, as it is to other people um theo brunner played up man theo brunner um every time he has a partner that 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 represents he represents think about it from john hyden all the way from the qualifier to um in hawaii all the way to the finals um his avp victory with um um, with John Hyden a year a year before that his AVP victory with Billy Allen, him representing uh, really well with Casey Patterson. I thought Casey Patterson, for the most part, had a good tournament. Then then he got a little chatty at the end because I know his chattiness gets some people out of his game. But to Phil and Nick, that either does absolutely nothing to them or it gives Popeye spinach one one way or another. It doesn't result in a good thing. It never never has never will. You know Trevor got chatty too. Ended up you know getting clamped and and maybe it's one of those things where like it's just a waste of your energy because it doesn't affect them. Or the other worst case scenario is. It, it, it does affect them, but not the way you want the other way, right? Sometimes you want to, when you want to beat the best team in the United States, you don't want to, um, you don't want to rile them up. You don't want to stir the pot. So, uh, Theo Brunner was the guy who stuck out, stuck out with me for players. For, um, for plays, I was very, very impressed with Miles Partain from the qualifier all the way up to um, the the main draw when they had to play Phil and Nick. Uh, the games weren't close, but you saw a glimpse of what this kid's capability is. He's literally growing as well as figuratively growing. He's he is fearless. Uh, you know, don't let the shyness fool you. The, the kid has no fear. He showed versatility by having multiple different partners. He played with Paul Lottman, I believe, and finished fifth in Chicago. And he's picked uh, Ty Loomis, who, you know, who's, who's who, who I, I'm pretty sure has multiple personalities, but you're playing with him and you're representing pretty cool. And, and um, of course, um, I'm putting the play up right now um, of him, uh, the pass and him jump setting. There it is. He um, draws fell up in the air. And then boom, Ty Loomis just blows blows it up. So that was the he was responsible for I think Ty being one of the um, hammer of the, hammer award candidates, if you will. That's that's given by Kevin Barnett and Cameron Cameron Irving, one of their um. I, actually, I like the hammer award. I think it's a pretty cool idea, and I, and I and I wish there's there's a way that the players and and him could get on board with that. It's pretty cool. Um, Jeff Alzina. It was on point. You know, my, my, my wife in particular was like, really loved the way he was educating the audience on technique and facing the hitter and what he, what he expects the other team to do next. And then the other team did it next. And um, he's, he's going to be at the end. He's my shout out. But I'm, I'm kind of giving that away a little bit. And I really, yeah, I really, really like what, what, what happened in this tournament. The result is not a surprise, but it was so much fun watching. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And listen, we have a, our little sideline report, sideline reporter. That's Renee Marcellus. Uh, she was there for the qualifiers, and she was responsible for live live streaming. We did kind of a little joint promotion. I was able to use her live stream and do some color commentating, and then stood the rest of the traffic her way. And here's the interview I have with Marcellus. Thank you for joining us today. Jason, thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. You're an awesome, awesome, awesome person. Honored to be a part of the show. Nice. And in the spirit of the show, I'm going to ask you this first question. Um, you were there for the qualifier, um, actually doing a great job live streaming, and you can definitely give people your handle while, while I'm talking to you. But for now, let's. can you give me a description of, of the mood in the air, like the atmosphere? There was a, a heightened level of excitement. Uh, was it business as usual? Or um, was it somber or, or, or was uh, I'd like for you to tell the audience um, what you felt, you know, um, being at the end, being the, in, in the atmosphere. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, uh, being being there, being at AVP quality at the, the post COVID environment is, is strange. It's very foreign. There are, there's no fans cheering when there's a hit straight down a roof. There's no there's no heckling. There's no Rosie's Raiders. There's nobody talking shit to the other side. Um, it's just, it's business. It's very professional. It's very, we are here to play volleyball to the best of our ability. And that's that. The only kind of uh, emotional stuff is if there's any tension between each team, you know, crabby crab is always exciting. Um, or if there's any, you know, past past dimensions or dynamics between athletes or rivalries or rematches uh, where the players are talking through to each other. But otherwise, there's not a whole lot of, of festive jazz, which could sound potentially boring, but it's really nice because the focus is on the skill. You know, these players are, are working their little hearts off, hearts out, asses off. I, I wasn't going to say asses, but they're working their asses off. No matter, none. They're working their asses off to play the best volleyball in the world. And this is where only volleyball matters, which is really cool. It's not about what the fans are cheering. It's not about even Jeremy DJ Roucher was saying he's not playing music for the fans. He's playing it for the athletes. And ABP has created this very safe environment, this bubble of a parking lot of three courts. It's 900 tons of sand, by the way. It's a lot of sand to fill these 18-inch deep three courts. And it's all about volleyball. It's only volleyball. So the buzz isn't there. It's not where you can feel like the crowds gravitating to one core, like, oh, this must be a good match. It's, it's only, it's, you got to know who to watch to, to decide. You got to know who the players are to, to decide what link to click on, really, instead of what court to gravitate towards. So it's, it's a little different. Not somber, not, not somber at all. It's kind of magical. I was talking to a couple of the staff members and how do we feel about being here? And one of them said, I almost got a little emotional because it's, it feels normal. It feels like volleyball is happening and this feels like real life. So it's kind of magical. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was kind of my guess too. And I thought you did a really good job conveying that during the live stream. Um, my other question is you got to, we were watching, actually we were watching together, uh, Peter Marciniak and Rafa Rodriguez play the first round against Ty Loomis and Miles Partain. Somewhere in the second play of the third game, third play of the game, he was bleeding profusely from his right arm, right hand. Yes. What, um, tell, tell the audience what happened and what do you think the, um, the likelihood of, you know, his prognosis was the likelihood of him coming back next week. I mean, t listen, Tuesday or Tuesday and Wednesday is good. We could, we could have an entirely different story, but Rob and I are going to have, um, we're going to have a discussion about that. So tell us um, what happened. You described it as a wet tampon. It was awesome. <laughs> That's the best way to yeah. describe it. And um, yeah. yeah, talk about that. Oh my gosh. Uh, Peter got a roof 
straight down gorgeous block where the crowd would go wild but there was no crowd so it was really just a block you know okay time to go back to serve and he turns around and I'm and I I see blood because I coming from an officiating standpoint you see blood you stop the match here we go so I see blood automatically and his I don't know what had happened but I had noticed prior to the match that he came out with both pinkies shaped like Doberman ears like I was just like why are your pinkies shaped that's a little little much um, only to find out that he breaks his fingers quite often. So blood happens. Hey, ref, I have blood. Goes to the player's box. Medical's right there. There's two medical professionals on every single court, which is great in case anything happens. There's no wait. You have attention immediately from a medical professional. So takes the tape off, and his bone is protruding. Like, there's no finger. It's just take the tape off, and there's there's Peter, Peter's bone. It's kind of freaky. Um, his wife was right there because she was warming up her, her mouth was next. Um, so it was nice that his wife was there. Um, it yeah, could have turned Kaya, into, yeah. yeah. So that was that was really cool that, that she was able to be there to support him. But it was very, it was really shitty. It was a bummer. Um, likelihood of him coming back, I I have no idea. I don't know if it's going to be a play through the pain type of thing and tape it up or buddy it or I have no idea. I mean, you're you're not allowed to wear anything hard or obtrusive as a uh, equipment. So I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, is it worth to play through the pain? You have, you possibly have three days ahead, at least one day, at least one match to get through, three matches in his, in his case because he's not going to get a bye. Is it worth it? I don't know. A cost worth analysis, broken pinky, I'm not sure. It's not a broken ankle, but I don't want to diminish the level of pain, and I don't know what he does off the court. Is, is he an aspiring surgeon and needs the dexterity of his fingers? I have no idea. Um, I don't think I, he didn't come back in those three points. So who knows? We'll see what you guys have to say. I felt bad. I compared him to Sheila Shaw. I yeah. was like, well, she, she played with a broken hand. She was tough and Peter is too. Peter to Peter pain. Don't hurt. You know, I think he didn't even know until the third place. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so my, my last know. question is, um, um, the finals, like the final play match point for April Ross and Alice Kleiman, as well as um, Phil and Nick, was yeah. it was a celebration anticlimactic because there wasn't a crowd there, or or was there was uh, the level of joy and elation um, seemed kind of the same? That's a great question. Um, as far as Nick and Phil, it was a bit anticlimactic for this, this second weekend. I mean, they kept Jake and Taylor to single digits. That's, I don't think, ever yeah, happened that was before a in a game. final. Yeah, beer game. That, it wasn't even a match. It was kind of it was kind of boring. Like, no one was really cheering. We're just like, okay, well, is this, is this the match that we were all hoping for? It's absolutely not. Um, I mean, both teams earned their spot there. The, the semi between um, Casey, Theo, Nick, and Phil was exciting. Um, but the final was just kind of lackluster uh, i think a ball is hit out of bounds to to clinch that title that was kind of a just want well, well okay, game's over here's your okay. championship cup yeah. um congrats to phil oh my gosh 100 wins that's super super duper exciting i mean nick got to play with phil for his first win and now for his 100th win so kind of like a, a neat little championship sandwich there um as far as april and alex um, they had a struggle of a tournament. They kept going three. They had a medical timeout for a leg injury. Um, they, they were Corinne and, oh, what's Corinne's partner? Uh, Wheeler, Allie. Corinne and Allie took them to three in the first match of the day in the main draw. So that was kind of questionable. Like, oh, well, 
who did they play bad? Did Alex and April play bad or did Corinne and Allie show up? Yeah. Um, I think it was a little combo of both. And then um, Kelly Clay's Sarah Sponsel took them to three. I mean, it set one. Kelly Clay's and Sarah Sponsel were just out to kill. Like world beaters, yeah. They looked, they, they were, they're the real deal. They are the absolute real deal. Um, and then for the finals against the Canadians, against Sarah um, and Mel, which is kind of just another match. I think it was a good matchup. I think Alex and Sarah are good physically matched against each other. So that was kind of exciting to see two people, two females of the same body height and body build go against each other. But other than that, there was no like, well, oh, congratulations. Um, nice. I think weekend one was a little bit more exciting. Right. Um, I think I'm looking forward to weekend two because it's kind of like a, a split, a draw and, and comebacks and, yeah. and last last tournament of the series, got to get it all out there. Um, that was kind of the vibe today at practice as well is, hey, after this week, there's no more volleyball. So I'm wondering what that will play into the attitudes and the mentalities of I got to go all out. Who cares if I go get hurt? Type of thing. Well, I'm sure they're um, going to play it. Uh, I'm sure they're going to play it as if it's their la- uh, as if this tournament is their last. You know. Yeah. Um, hey, I got to go. But before um, I you go, think- can you plug in uh, the audience um, your Facebook handle where where people can watch it on the live stream stream action, particularly the qualifiers? I thought you did a brilliant job at um, um, with fan engagement and bringing people in. So plug that in for us. Thank you. Yeah, definitely go to our Facebook handles, facebook.com backslash we are Dottie. Um, we are D-A-D-E. And we will be there at the Quali, and we are super jazzed to bring everyone there with us. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, Renee Marcellus, thank you. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, that was Marcellus. And listen, uh, what we talked about in, in her subject matter, the second or third play of the game, If you, I don't know if you saw any of it, Peter Marciniak, injured his thumb or his finger to a point where you could see bone on, a, on an early penetration on the block. And um, I, by the time this broadcast comes out, Rafu already has this situated. Either Peter plays or Rafu has a better partner. But my question to you is, if Peter Marciniak can't go, who's a good candidate as far as middle blocker, or, or not middle blocker, but like front row blocker, that would be complementary to Rafu? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think the, 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 like a realistic answer would be who has the points uh, because, you know, I'm sure Rafu doesn't want to qualify to get into these tournaments. He's, he's, um, but but he's you do anyway. make money, I heard, apparently, even if you do yeah. uh, make it in, if you're even in the qualifier. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a bust, but um, I'm sure he's trying to look for somebody that's uh, – but like points notwithstanding, points. points notwithstanding, well, I mean, who's an ideal p- person who can come in and just make an impact? I mean, I think for him, what he would need is somebody who's a, a really physical presence. Um, so if you're talking about a big man, I think like, I mean, with with points withstanding, I think Chris Johnson's always like, you know, my favorite pick because he's just a physical. You know, you can't really teach height and uh, and that served to know, space. Uh, you know, and yeah, and he, there's not a lot of people that can really block him, honestly. And then uh, Rafu is like a very uh, fluid defender. He wants to really run around a lot, you know, or get the ball hit right at him. So uh, I know that a big block would make it really easy for him to, you know, have a lot of time for maybe those high lines, maybe chasing down a little bit more. And, and he's a real skilled player, so I think he'd be a real help for a, a – a lesser skilled big guy, but still just 
a, yeah. a monster on the on the court. So, yeah, that would be my points with that. You know, you know, not standing. Well, I, I love your pick. I love your pick in a sense that the one thing that he brought from indoor volleyball to outdoor to beach the last playing the last three or three and a half or four years was the block. It's the easiest transitionable thing uh, um, that an, in, an indoor player, an oppo or a middle can bring because the technique is there. Uh, bring your attention to David Lee, right? Stepped on the scene, boom, roofing people off the court. Chris Johnson is that guy. I like your pick. Me, I'll give some honorable mentions after my pick, but I like Dave Palm. I like Dave Palm is one of those cavemen at the net. He doesn't play too emotionally high. He doesn't play too emotionally low. Um, any play sets, like be it slow shoots or maybe some go balls Rafu likes to do or just some fake front twos and this and that, those are two players that can get to know each other in, in a two or three day span and, and then have that instant offensive connection. Um, honorable mention to Jeff Samuels. I also think Brandon Clemens is a very easy to play with, easy partner to play with. It's to me, it's mm. just about who's giving up control and who's taking control. Whatever relationship, I think Rafa is going to be more in control than he gives up, which is why Chris Johnson is an ideal pick, and which I think Dave Palm is, a, is an ideal pick because I think Palm um, is interchangeable as far as taking control and giving up control, especially if he respects his partner. So, yeah, True. cool, man. All right, so we close the door on, on the AVP for now. Uh, but great tournament, and, and I speak for Rob and myself, but I look forward to the um, the Porsche Cup, I think. That's what it's called, coming up this weekend. Um, maybe. <laughs> hey, let's bring your attention uh, really quick to the UFC. We spent a lot of time on it, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one because we have other subject matter, and and in conjunction with the question, it, it consolidates this, this, um, this big event for us. This is UFC. Fight night, Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker. Very good five-round decision. Uh, uh, we have two questions, but the first question is, um, I'll, since I started with the main event, let's talk about who you thought won. The question is, Robin, I, to me it's not even a question, but because Twitter blew up with, I thought this guy won and this one. Rob, who won that fight? Um, yeah, so I... Don't even know why it's a question. I didn't think it was close. But when you watch the fight, though, if you don't really, because you got to look at both sides. I think fighting is really a, a sport of statistics because it's hard to see everything. And I'm not saying all the numbers are right, you know, but it kind of gives us a tell of the tale. That's why it's funny that boxing always used that. But uh, you have like what you felt the fight was, you know, that can sometimes determine, you know, a win or loss. Uh, then there's the statistics. If you see that somebody, uh, you know, it's really close and then somebody did something in another category, you know, that kind of pushed it over the edge. Or it's just one guy just dominated so much on this, this half that it just changes everything. It just changes how it is. You know, it changes the whole fight. So um, for me, you just have to look at all aspects of it. And when you look at that fight, um, you have uh, Whitaker just kind of dominating on on the feet and there was not really many tank it's not really takedowns it wasn't really much ground and pound on the ground so you have to just take that at face value for mm -hmm. uh the striking numbers and then uh, even if the numbers are wrong you know you still have uh you still have i think whittaker winning that fight on just the way it felt it felt a lot closer than the numbers said but uh i think the numbers pretty much determined that you know whittaker won that pretty handily rob i, I gotta go whittaker 4-1 
I mean, yeah. listen, you maybe give Darren Till the first round because if you're thinking like judges, some of these judges, you know, you could dominate for four minutes. Someone has this explosion at the end and they have this kind of um, extreme recency bias, right? And they're like, oh, he won that round because some of these judges are idiots and I'm going to use the term idiots. Um, so even in a worst case scenario where you have judges that are idiots, I, I robbed one four to, four to one. Uh, the other two judges gave him 5-0. One judge gave him four to one, and I thought that was the right decision. Rob Whitaker, to his credit, fifth round, this kind of pressure in his head, like it's tied two up. If I go for a takedown, because takedowns matter to judges, you know, I'm a stand-up guy, got the takedown at the end. And that was very, very good thinking on his part, because you know you don't want to leave it in the hands of the judges, but sometimes you go against someone that refuses to get finished. You know, Till is a tough dude. Don't let the Jorge Masvidal knockout fool you. Don't let... Um, Tyron Woodley, you know, choking him with that anaconda, which looked like a real snake. The, um, don't let those things fool you. This is, this is, that was a Darren Teller that had to suck himself dry to get to 170. Right now, he was a comfortable back fat type 185. And, and, and he showed it. He showed, you know, you're not losing all that water. You, you could take a shot and you could take these shots. And you're taking a shot from Bobby Knuckles, you're a worthy opponent. And if Bobby Knuckles is not knocking you out, you have, uh, um, Bobby Knuckles, who's Rob Whitaker, has to find other ways to finish, especially in championship matches. The reason why it's a championship match is because the champion and the number one contender got there because they don't get knocked out. <laughs> they don't get finished. So they're going to be these decisions. And But you do want to leave something in the hands of the judges. And I think that takedown at the end, for anyone that was thinking it was 2-2 or closer, should have just should have just shut Twitter down, which, which it didn't. Um, all right, is there a particular match that stuck out to you the most um, or a particular fighter? Uh, this one I'd like to go first. Please. The fighter that stuck out to me was uh, Kamzat Shimiev. Kamzat Shimiev. I saw this dude fight and I said, well, damn. Well, damn, Rob. At least Khabib Nurmagomedov is there in spirit. Holy sugar, man! Is this guy from Dagestan? No, buddy. But he's from he. But he is that guy. He's that guy that looks like he wrestles bears. He comes comes in, taps gloves. One, two, take down. And as soon as he takes you down, you manipulates his body and pushes you towards his side of the cage where he could listen to his coaches who by the way don't always speak uh, don't speak English not all of them speak English works to his advantage gives you nuggies uh, nuggies don't hurt that don't hurt how about some elbows oh my god that hurts I'm gonna give you my back how about a choke I don't want to get choked how about more elbows I'm gonna give you my back this man fought two times in three events on fight the three events on fight Island he fought twice said he was ready to go and after that match he's like I want to fight again today I want to fight again next week he is a dangerous SOB because he inflicts the most damage and he takes the least, Rob. This man outstruck his opponents, his two opponents, a combined 192 to two. To two. Yeah, see, I, I, I didn't see that fight. I don't know where like that happened, but like, do you have the, uh, the line, the card? Because well, I his didn't main even card see... this time, uh, uh, two, and, and the two, um, two events ago, he was prelims. But but I'm saying he fought in this last card on the Fight Island. Yeah, he did. I, but can, do you have the card in front of you? Because I I never no. really seen the uh, 
I didn't see that fight. And I, like everybody's talking about him and I missed him. I'm like, what the heck is going on? All right, well, check it out. I'm going to pull it up and then you're going to tell us. <laughs> you're going to tell us which, which fight or fighter stuck out to you the most. Was, did it happen to me in the main event? Because to me, that was kind of like a fight of the night. Right. That's why everybody's talking about that. I'm like, I watched the whole, the whole uh, Darren Till and uh, uh, Robert Whitaker fight, but all right, here's the card. Pulling it up right now. More fights. Um, let's do this. Here we go. Here's our main event. See that? Yes, Shogun, yeah, Shogun against Little Nog. Right Fabricio didn't even that. let that him. Was... Oh Oof. my God. Oof. Oof. How yeah, many I, arms I, did he I have? How many arms did he have, dude? And there he is. Mm. There was um, it wasn't a five round uh, uh main card. It was a six round. He was first. And listen, if you went and ordered pizza and said I'm gonna catch this first fight later, you probably missed the fight. It was three minutes nine Damn. seconds. Right here. See that? Yeah. Wow. And and yeah. uh, and and listen, Rise McGee's a good fighter, man. But he never got out the bo the box. He got I taken think. down. He got rushed to the corner. Um, Cowboy Oliveira, that was a decision. Paul Craig, um, very good in the guillotine. And, and that, that triangle choke, I think for light heavyweights, I don't even see a light heavyweight that, that slaps it on better than he does. Carlos Barza, a very uneventful win, but sometimes when you're losing more, you know, she's 18 and six. And I think her last six fights she lost, or she was three and three. Sometimes you need that W, you gotta do what you gotta do. Fabricio has two extra arms, dude. Your hand fighting. I got his left arm here. I got his right arm here. Oh, sorry, I'm going back. I got his left arm here. I got his right arm here. Good. He can't choke me as long as I got both his arms. And then his third arm coming coming this way. Fourth arm. Next thing you know, you fighting four hands. And you're just like, I'm just, I tap, I tap, I tap. I'm not fighting a human being. I'm fighting a, 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 a six-handed uh, um, hexapus. <laughs> He's a scary dude, man. He's a scary dude. Yeah, man. But yeah. I'd have to say my fight for the night would be would have to be uh, uh, Shogun, Shogun Rua. You know that was a. Have really you ever good seen fight, him in a boring honestly. fight? Ooh, I was like, he might get hit. He might get hit hard. He ain't gonna get knocked out, but he's hitting him. It's just a good fight. And that's what's crazy is I love these uh, Brazilian fighters who just are ready to fight until fifty years old. Like, it's crazy. Aldo keeps going. It looks like he's never gonna stop. You know, like. <laughs> it's a miracle. The way they train it's in the gym, crazy. you wouldn't even think they'd last till that 35. Because right. they knock any, This is Black House gym. This is, you know, Brazilian top team back the, back in the day. They knocking each other out in the gym. <laughs> That's what I you mean. know? Uh, how you doing? I'm still concussed. <laughs> Don't tell nobody that. <laughs> I, yeah, but Shogun, my, I have two things to say about Shogun. One, I've never seen him in a boring fight. And two, I don't know if it's out of respect or it's out of fear. When you go to the weigh-ins, do you ever see anybody try to bow up to him in the weigh-ins? You ever see someone try to get nose-to-nose -nose or intimidate him or push him? When he's in the weigh-ins, they do this. And then they bow and then they shake hands. I don't know if it's because they fear this guy, what this guy can do to you in a cage, or what you can do to him and he just keeps coming at you like, okay, my turn now. Uh, um, tap, tap, tap. So... Cool man, you like that fight? Little not yeah, that was the third. That was a nice. That was a good. That was a nice old man's. Yeah. You know, hit him up, beat him up. Yeah. Still good fight though. Yep. You know, I I love seeing Noguera fight. You know, he's a good fighter too.
for um and then mma uh, um enthusiasts or like borderline enthusiasts this is the third fight and if you ever want to see a good fight go to, go to the last one go to the one before this or you ain't got enough time go to the one before that they fought three times um it was uh basically a three-peat of what we what we saw the previous two times of course and with the result you know one i think one one was a uh, um a split but the other two were unanimous um but yeah, Shogun won that. But what a fight! And Little Nog, man, Little Nog could take a shot too, man. You know, Little Nog is um, um no Minot- Minotaur Nagero's sure. yeah, Minotaur Nagero's um identical twin. Yeah. So, all right, cool, man. That's again. That's why the UFC. We don't have to cover a whole lot, man, because of the fights we we didn't have to look for them. They they stuck out. They stuck mm-hmm. out, man. And Shogun, man, that stuck out. And Fabricio, man, I just he got out of that un un unscathed i want to see him fight as soon as possible i want to see him i don't know i want to see him like yeah i, I want can't to see him fighting my boy sean o'malley fight though <laughs> sugar sugar is there a better listen he's it. more sugar than rashad Ooh. he's more he, sugar than rashad he's, he's almost as sugar as ray leonard he's that mma sugar that's for sure yeah Man. i'm looking Ooh. forward to him remains undefeated too another Ooh. yeah skinny boy skinny boy that could take a hit too and he's dynamic you saw that walk off you talking about that walk off, not KO? I mean, no, I just I, I'm talking about all the skills he put down on the like it was a what a, a, a one minute and thirty second fight, and he probably threw like thirty forty things. <laughs> yeah, until Punches, you had enough <laughs> kicks, you know, elbows. Like what the hell? Like he's throwing things super fresh, no no energy. You know, oh this guy God. didn't even get a chance. He had like a chance for two hits. Never had one. Yeah, I wanna. Yeah, I wanna see. I wanna see. He's fighting Brandon Vera apparently. Oh, Brandon. Um, okay. Brandon Vera. Yeah. Okay. Wow. No, Brandon Vera. Marlon. Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera. Yeah, because Brandon Vera is a heavyweight, and he um he's Is fighting he in Pride right now. He used to fight in the UFC. He beat Frank Mir. Um, beat him down. That was Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> Or it could be Brandon something else, <laughs> or Marlon Vera. Maybe I'm just putting words in. It might mouth. be Marlon Vera. Yeah. All right. So listen. Next topic. And and we, we could take our time. I'll get through this quick because it's a stupid thing to talk about, but because it's hit national news um, and it's a sports debate show, we have to indulge. Uh, bring your attention, everybody, to the NFL. Jamal Adams, after openly criticizing his coach, saying that his coach Adam Gase, head coach Adam Gase, is not a leader, not this, not that, and after requesting a trade over and over, Jamal Adams finally got his wish. He got traded to the Seattle Seahawks. And, this, and in return, the Jets got two late first-round picks and also a third-round pick for um, later on in the deal, added to the deal. And they got safety Bradley McDougal. So my question is, Rob, is this a Jets loss? Or is it good riddance, Jamal Adams? So um, this is actually uh, a great on all ends and also bad on all ends. This is actually a crazy deal. Um, first of all, it's great for the Jets in the fact that they got rid of a star player who's disgruntled, obviously doesn't want to play there. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's so it's great for them. Uh, it's great for the Seattle Seahawks because they have a huge need in their secondary uh, more specifically their safety position uh being that they lost earl thomas they don't have Krem chancellor anymore with his neck injury 
And that's something that you don't really come back from, uh, or just not to the level you recently were playing at. Um, and, you know, they got one of the best safety prospects at the position that they really needed. You know, Pete Carroll's whole defense is predicated around that safety position, and he is a defensive-minded coach. So if you have a great quarterback, you have a quarterback with pretty much, you know, you know Tom Brady-esque wide receivers – running around there now you get throwing something you know more better wide receivers you got an offense that's ready to win a super bowl now you have a defense that has the right type of players in the right positions that you can start building around it as a defensive coordinator you know seattle's scary you know and that's what you do you you give up a lot to go get those players that you really need um and unfortunately the jets are giving away one of those players but they're not in that situation uh, they're far long way away from it but what they did bring back in, and why it's also great for them, is two first-round picks and a third-round pick, and I think a fourth-round pick next year. Yeah. So I mean, that's a, that's what you're bringing in there is three starters, possibly two superstars and one, you know, high-level, uh, you Savage. know, uh, rotation <laughs> player. Yeah. I mean, third-round picks are like gold in the NFL. So. You got basically three A plus uh, picks for one player who might not have been in your team in a year, um, so that that is a that's a big haul. It's almost a big loss for Seattle if they, you know, didn't get the right guy for the right position. So I think it's a fantastic pick for all sides, and I hope the Jets make the most of these picks. Um, yeah, I really wish them the best. <laughs> well, my answer to this, Rob, is good riddance. Good riddance. Um, and it's not a Jets loss. It is a Jets loss in the sense that you picked this guy sixth overall. And um, a lot of people thought he should have been picked higher because he, that's as far as safety is concerned, he is that guy. And I don't think the Jets lost that much. I think they lost in the sense that he was disgruntled, but he didn't play on the field like he was disgruntled. You know, he went out there and he represented all the time. And, and Le'Veon Bell was one of the people people that were the most disappointed that he left because Le'Veon Bell lobbied for management to say, hey, let's get this guy. We can we can use this guy. We're going to have a, a, a captain on defense. You got me. You know, I can ground and pound with the running game, me and the other running backs, take some pressure off of, of – um, this USC guy, you know, because if, if, if he's the quarterback um, that you think he is, what the hell is his name again? What, Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. If he's the guy who you think he is, we can we could do a Mark Sanchez. We could, we could play defense. We could ground and pound, put him in a position where he doesn't turn over the ball until he becomes who we think we is or, or he is or, or, or he isn't. And, you know, some, some disappointment. I know, and I know Le'Veon Bell criticized um, him leaving and, and the way he treated the head coach and the way he bad-talked people on social media. But at the same time, this is the, what Jamal Adams knew he had to do to, to, to get traded. It was more trade bait. I don't think he has a blatant disrespect for the coaching staff or Adam Gase in particular. I think Adam Gase looks like a funny guy, but I don't mean nothing. So um, I guess, yeah, Jets lost. Not really. First round picks are first round picks, particularly if you get to pick them one after the other in the first round. They are late, but if you get to pick two of them, you you do get to um, – at least have them have one of the trades, one of those picks as a bargaining chip for something or for for a player that they might be interested in another team. So yeah, good job by the Jets. Good job by Adams getting uh, traded. Uh, 
what lands in Pete Carroll's lap, of course, is a gold mine because when Pete Carroll has a good safety and a good back four, they're the Legion of Boom. When he doesn't have a good back four, they're just a good defense. But I've never seen Pete Carroll have a bad defense. Um, he's had, like you said, Brady-esque receivers, but but a better, but a better, 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 better quarterback with a stronger arm, and Russell Wilson, who doesn't look like he has any signs of slowing down. Uh, one of those quarterbacks that doesn't sustain a lot of damage. You don't see him get decked. He always runs out of bounds before he gets hit. Throws throws defenses hits and uh, fits. And you, I, I'm not saying he doesn't get hit. He does, but uh, I think he spends a lot of time sliding and making sure you know he don't get rocked. So. Um, he'll have a better longevity. So Seattle, look out. Like you just said, they were, they're the odds on favor for the NFC because they were one play away from, being the, from going into the playoffs as the number one seed, right? It was the 49ers mm-hmm. a numb, and it was a play stopped at the goal line. And Pete was irresponsible for not, not calling a timeout. I think he got, he got hit with a delay a game uh, that moved him back five yards, which is just an administrative. That's just a smart people, smart person outsmarting himself. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's that like shit kind of his MO, though. Yeah. Oh, is, you know, yeah. he's doing too much, you know, and just do the simple thing. And it's hard sometimes because he is that kind of like break the mold type of coach, you know, where it's like just, uh, you know, do it a little differently, be with the players, you know, not just the coach's coach, you know, do, you know, he's, he's always done the, you know, the, the different route. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it was just the what the NFL needs, right? It's just what the NFL needs between him, you know, um, uh, Mike Shanahan, whose coaching style is far from his father's. They both enjoyed success. His father, you know, it's a couple of Super Bowl rings. But, uh, you know, what he's what he's trying to do is, you know, they're both quarterback type people. But I would never see Mike Shanahan run the ball 20 times. <laughs> he had Terrell Davis who rushed for 2,000 yards, but you know he's going to give John Elway his. Um, so very, very happy with coaches like Pete Carroll. They're good for the NFL, Bill Belichick. Um, we were talking about the top five coaches last week, and Pete Carroll deserved an honorable mention. I felt felt a little icky, you know, in, on the inside for leaving him out, but when you consider who the top five were, they were the best of the best. There was a one and a shitload of one A's. Well, did you hear that? We got it back. We got it back. <laughs> it's time for good idea, bad idea. Rob McLean, good idea, bad idea. Tom Thibodeau signs a five-year deal with the New York Knicks. He was an assistant there from 1996 to 2003. Uh, good idea, bad idea. Thibodeau back with the Knicks. Uh, good idea. I think the Knicks need absolutely any type of help in the management aspect and he does a great job of trying to get up to the higher echelons of management and make them see his vision and see where he's going and he's also defensive minded first coach so for me I think that's always been the Knicks uh, calling card is play defense be scrappy be tough Uh, that's like the city motto and then you know from there we can work on superstar players you know Rob have you noticed something different about my hat Yes, you have. Let's see you smiling. Listen, this hat doesn't say New York Knicks. It says the New Jersey Nets, okay? Thibodeau is a great coach. Thibodeau, uh, give me the biggest superstar they know they got to respect him and can't do stuff their way. So the Knicks win with this guy, but the loser in this is Thibodeau. He ain't going to survive Jerry Krause and Bob Dolan in in a two-decade period. I'm worried about that man's health. Rob McLean, good idea, bad idea. 
Lou Williams enters a 10-day quarantine. <laughs> Good idea or bad idea? I mean, from all reports, it sounds like probably a good idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what's going on over there. Hey man, I got some wings. You know, the thing is, is like if you don't want to go, don't go. Or if you don't want to do the rules, just don't go. Or if you don't want to do the rules anymore, don't do the rules anymore. And I know there's like, you know, probably some litigation behind that where it's like if you don't go, you don't get paid. But, you know... There's got to be some sort of buyout where it's like, just give me some piece of the season. If I don't want to be here, I don't want to ruin it for everybody else. You know, so. No, no doubt. Rob, I got to go with a good idea. I mean, he has to be quarantined for 10 days because, you know, we have to see if he's asymptomatic. And so far, the bubble, which everybody's been criticizing, thus far has zero positive test. All the, the, these rosters that, that are huger than volleyball rosters, huger than UFC rosters and coaching staffs and, and administrative staff and, you know, tech people. So far, zero positive test. Be smart. D don't do that. Don't do that no more. For a guy who went for wings, you got a set of balls, okay? Good idea, bad idea, Rob. Um, golf. International players can compete without quarantine. The White House lifted various rules implemented during the pandemic. Yeah, so I have a problem with this because <clears throat> um, what we're trying to do on a country basis is trying to limit uh, interstate uh, commerce so or interstate transportation. So to do to to allow uh, international travel on just the basis that they're athletes and they won't be around people anyway, it sets a bad precedent. It's the same thing with the community that's happening in our community is that as the uh, the upper echelon of the athletes in that sport community, you have to set the example so that down the line people follow suit. If not, you know anything can happen because people don't. There's there's no model to look up to. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Rob. I got to go with bad idea, and I'll tell you why. Um, because it's we're 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 the nation we're the leader the, the nation leader of nations we have to set by example not by exception and hopefully the other people who come from other countries who have been practicing better social distancing than us will just do it anyway regardless of the rules being lifted or not how's that sound yeah I like it. yeah all right rob that concludes our good idea bad idea now it's time for what is your recommended sports movie of the week rob <laughs> Uh, mine is going to have to be Million Dollar Baby. Wow. Um, you know, another Clint Eastwood fantastic movie. Good recommendation by a T wonderful girlfriend tough of mine. Ain't tough ain't um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got to you gotta respect um, at least the, the passion that, that Clint puts into his movies as a director and as an actor. And then I think boxing. Uh, coming from its backgrounds, especially for women. I mean, that's just something on top of it. I think it was almost like a mix of how men had to kind of, or honestly, African-American men had to go into the boxing atmosphere and be around everybody who never even wanted them. It's the same thing for women. Like, they wanted to be in uh, a, a world that was only for men. And even the trainer was men, you know, so... It's just very interesting to see the dynamics of having to, you know, go through the world, uh, go through a, a privileged world, but, you know, tiptoe around and try to make it. And once you make it, you know, anything's possible. So, love the movie. 
And I love the movie, movie for the same reasons that you just said, you know, to show some people, to show everybody that sometimes success comes easier to some people than others. I don't think it's never easy per se, but easier. And some people have to take a harder path. And sometimes if you're driven, uh, you know, you got to you got to drink that cup of, of bitter wine and 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 come back for for seconds and thirds and fourths and fifths and that's what she did she ate a, lot of, ate a lot of crap along with you know food out of the garbage can because she was broke and she knew she wanted to pay for her gym time and um really love her her rise to ascension love that she way you know her character made female boxing relevant interesting and started selling out and 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 who who doesn't get teary-eyed you know, when you see what happened, you know, how, how, hey, well, we how can't it all ended without giving away. Let's just say if you cried when old Yeller died and you don't cry to this, something's wrong with your, your, something is wrong with your, your, your head hey. and your heart and your compassion. See spot, you run, all that. Yes. But, you know, yes. let it happen. Just let it happen. All right. So my movie of the week, there are a lot of sports movies that are, that are great for dramatic right uh, purposes. Million Dollar Baby is a dramatic movie. The Express is last week. We were talking about the miracle and all that stuff. And then there's some movies that uh, are that are very light and some are very humorous and some of them are just outright slapstick like Slapshot, which is not my movie recommendation. Duh, I love me or, some Richard Gere. In or Caddyshack. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Slapshot was Richard Gere. Though. Caddyshack was. um. Who the hell was that? Oh, was that man, Bill Murray? Uh... No, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he was in it. I can't remember his name. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter this week because that's not my recommendation. My recommendation is The Replacements. Rob, at first I was afraid. I was petrified. <laughs> I could not go on living without you by my side. That line dance, I will survive. I'm not giving away, you know, some of it. Awesome. This movie is basically about NFL football going on strike and the owners getting together and deciding they're going to use scab players for people who who still play professionally or professional hopefuls that they can recruit temporarily until the strike is over or until professionals cross the picket line. So enter Falco. What the hell's his name again? Shane, Shane Falco. Falco. Keanu Reeves plays a character called Shane Falco that's reti- uh, basically not doing football anymore and works on a boat and, and I believe in a bar or something like that. And the coach, a legendary coach, Gene Hackman's character, his name is Jim McGinley in the movie, comes in and knows in order for him to have some success during this strikeout season with scab players, he needs a quarterback he can trust. Son, do you know the difference between winning and losing? The score? <laughs> <laughs> it is classic. And if I survive and Rob survive, you can survive. We will survive. I make mine the replacements. That is my sports movie recommendation of the week. Yeah, that's a great one. Cool. All right, Rob. Hey, hey, this one, that's it. That's it for the show, man. But before we go, I know you're not one for shout-outs because your shout-outs is just to everybody. You are a universal soldier. You are the next United Nations citizen of the world, and that is how you operate, okay? For me, I'd like to give a shout-out to someone everybody knows in the volleyball community, Jeff Alzina. Jeff Alzina is this savage of a coach, two and a half decades that, that I know of as far as coaching in the business. His father was a basketball coach. So coaching is in his blood. It is in his family. It is in his skill set. And he ma- he maximizes his potential to, to whatever limits that you can critique him. Some people might not like his coaching style. Some people do. But I will tell you this. Every time someone has success in beach volleyball, you look under that umbrella. There he is. Right? The Partains, age 15 and 17 years old. Youngest team to qualify for the main draw. Look under the umbrella. It's Jeff Alzina. 
Trevor and Taylor Crabb made the finals three times as brothers, and then, and then Trevor made it another three times with Rosie, maybe four, seven times total. Who's under that umbrella? Oh, shoot. It's Jeff Alzino. What's good, Jay? So... UCLA wins their first beach volleyball championship, uh, um, finally breaking the strength from USC, who won two club ones and then two NCAA champions and broke their four-peat. The head coach, Stein Metzger, who is his assistant, Jeff Alzina. So Jeff Alzina, who left UCLA and is now at Santa Clara, it's more, more home to him, so it's kind of a homecoming job where he's pitching his tent, where he can build, you know, he builds his own whatever as opposed to... Um, you know, jumping on somebody else's just married car. That's uh, more my shout out goes to Jeff Alzina as a coach and breathing life. And as far as commentating is concerned into this AVP weekend, brings this heightened level of analytical predictive validity on what the next few plays are going to be, which which he was 100 um, percent right all the time and bringing a set of uh, a heightened level of professionalism where, you know, there are certain other commentators that, that keep the mood light. And for me, I just needed a balance. I like people that joke around, and I like people that keep the mood light and have a sense of humor and keep it interactive with the fans. But you also need someone like him, a, a true color commentator that's all about that business. And make mine Jeff Alzina. And I'll tell you this, if they're ever looking for a setup, man, I really love this guy, um, Bishop, Matty Bishop, that was working with Jeff. I liked him a lot. Um, me, I'm the man. Even on my worst day, I can't miss. I'm a, I'm a very good setup man as far as play-by-play. Rob Espero. These are all people who are all involved in the business, who all paid their dues just like Alzina. And I really, really hope the sport of volleyball, but particularly the AVP, all of us can ascend together, you know? And for me, I'm only half kidding. Like for me right now, I got the, I'm, what I got going on in my life, I'm, I'm just like Dominic Cruz. I'm just like Dominic Cruz. I've already, like when Dominic Cruz, the best, when he decided that being the champion didn't define him, he was, he was fighting, he looked great, he's happy, he's content. And for me, like, like if I don't get these high-profile jobs, because color commentating is my, my wheelhouse, um, if I don't get what I want, I, I'm okay because I realized years ago and i just have to remind myself these things don't define me i'm already you know i, I just turned 50 yesterday i'm pretty i'm pretty much defined <laughs> i look good right i don't look like a yes, 50 sir. year old i look like a unattractive 35 year old so so listen i've had i don't know how rob feels about you all out there but i've had it with you okay and i'm i'm closing up shop all right for everybody at home for better everybody online at starbucks on their their iphone watching this for everybody on their ipad watching this for everybody on their desktop watching this who rules the world old school old school for rob keep it mclean mclean i am jason debilius and we're gonna hit my music but before that i will say some what will i say <laughs> say it with me see ya we're out okay come check out the option podcast on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear